The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary, pure and holy, tried and Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. Matthew, the 16th chapter. I'll begin reading at verse 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone wills to come after me, he must deny himself 
and must take up his cross and must follow me. For whoever may will to save his life will lose it, but whoever may lose his life for my sake will find it. But what does it profit a man if he may gain the whole world and may suffer the loss of his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man is destined to come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he will reward each one according to his activity. We are in a time of extreme danger. Do you understand the danger that you are in today? Danger today is coming out of Israel and Gaza as they begin World War III, as we see the events of history beginning to unfold before us, and the prophetic time clock for the coming of Jesus is rapidly ticking down. As we see wars and rumors of wars on every hand, as we see the seals of God being opened, as we see our culture being ripped apart, because of ungodliness and wickedness. We see the shortage of gas. Last night I went out. There was a three- or four-hour wait to get into some gas stations. By the blessing of God, the Holy Spirit had told me, fill your tank, and I did so early with no waiting line. Our culture is being ripped apart with charges of racism, with gender issues, with transhuman issues, with AI issues, with a financial collapse right at our face. As the Federal Reserve prints trillions of dollars of counterfeit money, We're in danger. But I want to tell you that all of the danger that you see out there, the wars, the COVID-19, the Dust Bowl of the Southwest, fires, hurricanes, tornadoes, collapse of the economy, none of these dangers even begin to match or begin to compare with the real danger that we face. The real danger. The real danger are our strong opinions, believing on issues that are not tied to salvation, strong issues that we hold steadfastly to as one man, very well known, says it's impossible for any of the seven seals to be opened yet because God's people will not know wrath. Well, he obviously demonstrated his arrogance and his pride. I've watched as people have spoken about the book of Revelation, and and I just want to say I don't come behind any on the book of Revelation. I have studied it for over 60 years. I've read countless books. I've listened to countless preachers. And the more I know about it, the less I know. It is God's, it is God's to reveal It is God's plan for the end time. I don't prosper the work of God by condemning someone 
who believe something differently than I believe it. Do I believe in a pre-tribulation rapture? No, I personally don't. Do I believe in a mid-trib, a post-trib? You know what? We'll know when Jesus comes. The real issue is, are we ready for him to come? Because he's at the door, even at the door. The judge is standing at the door. And we'll know, finally. No man knows the hour. That's what Jesus said. Only the Father in heaven. So we can try to figure everything out, and and it's frankly, it's fun to do so. But I'm a preacher of righteousness. I'm a holiness preacher. And I refuse to be legalistic. And for that, I'm condemned by many. I love Jesus Christ, and I long to see his appearing. And I am zealously repenting before God and crying out to him for revival today in America. And all the the people who think they know say, Oh, no, Pastor, there will be no revival in America. Okay. And for you, there will be no revival in America. But you hear the pride in your voice. One man wrote, that quack preacher, a person who would presume to write to me on the, on the web and would call Dr. Tom Horn a quack preacher? What have you done for the kingdom of God compared to what Dr. Tom Horn has done? Is Dr. Horn right on everything? I have no idea. But the arrogance, the pride, the the great danger we face is that we have not thoroughly understood the Beatitudes. And we have arrogant and proud hearts. And we think we can tell other people, oh, Believe what I believe or you're going to hell. No, let's let the word speak for itself. No, I have to tell you, I'm nobody. I'm the least of God's people. I have no place of standing. I have nothing to recommend me to you except Jesus. I have nothing except Jesus. I have I've not sought after money or fame or power. I've only sought after Jesus. I've deliberately turned away from money because money could be a very dangerous trap for me. Money for me today is simply a tool to be used for the kingdom of God. And so all that I have, I have placed into the kingdom of God. So I come speaking about the Holy Spirit, about revival. I don't come to condemn or to judge. I come with tenderness and compassion in my heart. But a stern warning that if you're putting your trust in what you think you know, you're in danger of hellfire. If you're putting your trust in judging others, you're in danger of hellfire. The first beatitude was, blessed are the poor in spirit, those who are recognizing their grinding poverty, if you have not recognized that about yourself and you're filled with pride and arrogance, then you've missed what the gospel is about. It's about mourning over our condition. It's about humility before each other and before Almighty God. It's about being hungry and thirsty for righteousness and holiness. It's about 
being merciful and kind. I'm astonished at the nasty messages that people send on the Internet. I'm shocked. And they call themselves Christians. They would never say that face to face. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the ones having been persecuted because of righteousness. It's about holiness. It's about righteousness. And I'm going to take us back. I think I need to. I know. You want to hear about end-time events. That's not where your salvation is. And if you think you're saved, are you still walking in sin? And if you're still walking in sin, what have you been saved from? And what have you been saved to? So I'm going to come back to Bunyan, John Bunyan and Pilgrim's Progress. This book has passed the test of time. It's been published more times than any other single book in history except the Bible itself. Now, John Bunyan lived from 1628 to 1688. Pilgrim's Progress was first published in 1678. This is an old, old, old book. I'm going to read the updated version uh, by C.J. Lovick, and he has given me written permission to read this on the air. I want to go back to this today because I think we need to understand that if you don't see your danger, you will not be interested in the narrow road and you will not be interested in holiness. You'll just go on being destructive in other people's lives and arrogant and and filled up full with you, with your pride. You'll cut people off. You'll judge. You will separate. You'll be vindictive. The scriptures call us, Jesus calls us to humble our hearts. To humble our hearts. So here comes Christian. He's climbed out of the swamp of despond and he's filthy dirty. He stinks. He gets caught in legalism, but he escapes with his life and he continues his journey until he comes to a door, a gate. Over the gate is written, knock, and it will be opened to you. So Christian knocks more than once or twice, saying, May I now enter? Will he within open to pitiful me, though I have been an undeserving rebel? Then will I not fail to sing his lasting praise on high? The picture Bunyan gives us is of a man standing at the door, knocking, 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 knocking. You will not quickly be brought into the presence of God. It's going to take some time and prayer. You're going to have to turn off your television. You're going to have to turn off your internet. You're going to have to pick up your Bible, and you're going to have to get on your face before God. And you're going to have to cry aloud to the Lord. I spent all morning doing that. You're going to have to knock and knock. 
and then his words, may I now enter? Will he within open to pitiful me, though I've been an undeserving rebel? At last, Bunyan writes, a very serious person came to the gate whose name was Goodwill. Goodwill asked, Who's there? Where have you come from? What do you want? Christian answers, I'm a, I'm a poor burdened sinner. I come from the city of destruction. I'm on my way to Mount Zion so that I may be delivered from the wrath to come. I'm informed that through this gate is the way to safety. I want to know if you're willing to let me in. I am willing with all my heart, said he. And he opened the gate. Bunyan has caught what Jesus was saying in the Beatitudes. Some of you have slipped in to the narrow way over the wall. You never came by way of that narrow gate. You've never dealt with the grinding poverty of your own wickedness before God. You are full of religious knowledge, but it's always somebody else. Please, today I'm talking to you personally. And I'm saying, is your heart proud before God? Are you arrogant before the Lord and before other people? Do you think it's other people who have the problem? Or are you willing to acknowledge your own poverty? Are you willing to admit your own ignorance? Are you willing to seek Jesus with all of your heart? Now, some of you, I know, are walking without sin before God. And I praise God for you. You have no known sin in your life. Please, may I tell you, please listen carefully. That's not the end. That's only a part of the journey. Now you must press on for the fullness of the baptism of Pentecost, of entire sanctification, to be utterly, totally cleansed and washed and made whole by the blood. Turning away from known sin is just the very beginning of the journey. There's great joy in it. There's life in it. Your witness will be powerful and will even bring other people to Jesus. But you will soon run out of steam. And great discouragement will come upon you. Because you've not finished the journey. The disciples, after the crucifixion of Jesus, are in the upper room. He comes and speaks with them. He fellowships with them. He eats with them. But then he tells them, Now wait in Jerusalem for the promised gift. They were saved. Before they went to the upper room to wait, they were saved men and women. They were not walking in any known rebellion or sin against God but they had not received the dynamite, dunamis power of God by the Holy Spirit to do the work of ministry. Now, Bunyan continues. As Christian started walking through the gate, goodwill pulled him in roughly. Christian asked, why did you pull me in so forcefully? Goodwill told him, a little distance from this gate there stands a strong ca a castle of which Beelzebub is the captain. From there both he and those who are with him shoot arrows at travelers who come up to this gate in order to slay poor sinners before they can enter into safety. Christian said, I rejoice and tremble. 
So the man at the gate asked, who sent you? Evangelist sent me and told me to knock at the gate. And he said that you, sir, would tell me what I must do. An open door is set before you. No man can shut it. Now I begin to reap the benefits of all the hazards and difficulties I've come through, Christian said. But how is it that you only decided to come here? Because none of my neighbors saw the danger they were in. But I saw it more and more clearly. Please understand, my brother, my sister. If you have no sense of the danger that you are in, you are in serious trouble. You are in danger. Some of you are feasting on the entertainment of the world. Oh, it's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It's not the tree of life. Will that TV show draw your heart to Jesus? If not, don't watch it. Will that video game draw your heart to Jesus? If not, don't play it. You don't have time. You're in danger. Will the attitude of of judgment and superiority, will that draw you to Jesus? Then repent of it. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? Is your heart filled with fear? Then get alone with Jesus and hear what he has to say to you. This morning, early, early hours, I was awake and crying out to God. And I was talking to him about the lack of result from this broadcast and saying, Lord, I expected much more. And it just very kindly and gently brought to my mind that he said I was to wait upon him. And I was reading the book of Romans, which I often do. I regularly read the book of Romans. And Abraham, it says, hoped against all hope. And it was counted unto him as righteousness. I hope against all hope for revival. The Lord has promised me revival in in Washington, D.C. and in America. I hope against all hope. I I see no real sign of revival coming yet. So I continue to cry out and wait before the Lord. I continue to come and do what he's told me to do, speaking the words he gives me to speak to you. Are you in a similar place? Have you you been doubting? Has your heart been filling with fear? Then grab a hold of the hope of Jesus Christ. Humble your heart. Hope against hope. For Jesus is faithful to his word, and he's faithful to his promise. You don't need your arrogance to carry you. You don't need your head knowledge to carry you. You don't need your skill to carry you. You don't need your social connections to carry you. You don't need the entertainment to satisfy you. Jesus will be everything for you. Will you trust him? Will you trust him? Will you hope against hope? Christian explained, because none of my neighbors saw the danger they were in, but I saw it more and more clearly. Well, did any of them know that you were coming here? 
Yes, my wife and children saw me start the journey and called after me to stop and return to the city of destruction. Also, some of my neighbors stood crying and calling after me to return, but I put my fingers in my ears and continued my journey to this place. Did any of them follow you to persuade you to come back? Yes, two men named Obstinate and Pliable, but when they saw that they could not convince me to return, Obstinate went back, but Pliable came with me a little way. But why didn't he continue on with you? Goodwill asked. Well, we traveled together until we came to the swamp of Despond, into which we suddenly fell. It was then that my neighbor, Pliable, became discouraged and would not go on any further. You understand what what Bunyan means by the swamp of Despond. He's, he's saying the same thing Jesus said in the Beatitude number 1. Recognizing the grinding poverty of your soul. The impossibility for you to be saved without Jesus. And Goodwill said, Alas, poor pliable. Is the celestial glory of so little value to him that he considers it unworthy? of his hazarding a few difficulties to obtain it? I've told you the truth about pliable. Now I must tell you the truth about myself. I'm no better than pliable. It is true that he went back to his own house, but I also turned aside to go into the way of death, being persuaded to do so by the seducing arguments of Mr. Worldly Wise Man. Oh, was it he who ambushed you? Goodwill asked. I can only imagine that he tried to convince you to seek ease at the hands of Mr. Legality. They are both cheats. But did you take his counsel? Yes. As far and as long as I dared, I went to find Mr. Legality until I became afraid that the mountains that stand by his house they were going to fall upon my head and I was forced to stop. That mountain has been the death of many and will be the death of many more, Goodwill said sadly. It is well that you escape being dashed into pieces by it. Well, what is this, Mr. Legality, that that you're saved, that you're on your way to heaven, and you can continue to sin, and you're legally covered by the blood of Jesus. So when God looks at you, he doesn't see you, he just sees Jesus. That's a part of Mr. Legality. Another piece of Mr. Legality is that you hold knowledge and you're willing to tell everybody whether they're right or wrong. And there's judgment on your lips. And there's condemnation in your heart. A sense of superiority. A sense of, I'm somebody. All of that just covers over a a fear that you're nobody. A fear that you're going to be thought little of. That's pride. Christian went on, truly, I don't know what would have become of me if evangelists had not come to my rescue. I stood paralyzed by my confused thoughts. It was God's mercy that he came to help me, or else I would not be standing here before you. So here I am, more deserving of death by the mountain than of talking with you here. Oh, what a favor you do by admitting me at the entrance to the narrow gate. We make no objections to anyone, no matter what they've done before they come to the gate. They're never cast out. Goodwill said. Now, Christian, come with me for a moment, and I will teach you about the way you must go. Look in front of you. Do you see that narrow way? That is the way you must go. It was carved out by the patriarchs and the prophets, by Jesus and his apostles. And it's as straight as a ruler can make it. This is the way you must go. 
But, said Christian, are there no turnings or windings by which a stranger might lose his way? Oh, yes, there are many other ways, but they're all crooked and wide. That is how you can distinguish the right from the wrong. The right way is always straight and narrow. The right way is always straight and narrow. Don't tell somebody, I love you. Don't tell somebody, I have a thousand hugs for you. And then cut them off. Don't judge. Let Jesus be the judge. You be the humble servant of Almighty God. With a heart full of love and a heart filled with mercy, be a peacemaker. Jesus said, don't try to take the speck out of your brother's eye when you have a two-before in your own eye. First, remove the two-before. First, go through the series of Beatitudes and meet the conditions for each one. Be humble of heart. And then you'll see plainly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Then I saw in my dream... Bunyan continues that Christian asked goodwill to help him remove the burden that was upon his back, for as yet it had not he had not gotten rid of it, nor could he by any means get it off without help. Goodwill told him, As far as your burden, be content to bear it until you come to a place of deliverance, and once you are there, it will fall from your back all by itself. So Christian began to prepare himself for the journey. And as he was getting ready, Goodwill told him that after he had gone a good distance from the gate, he would come to the house of the interpreter. Now Bunyan is going to call the Holy Spirit the interpreter. He was told to knock at the door of that house where he would be shown excellent things and then Goodwill bid Christian Godspeed. Do you understand? This is a journey we're on. We're pilgrims. Will you arrive at the celestial city? Will you follow the straight and narrow path? Or will your heart be filled with bitterness and anger and fear? Judgments. Will you be proud about your knowledge and put down others? and cut them off? Or will you humble your heart and walk in holiness? True holiness is always humble. It's never arrogant. It's never proud. It's self-effacing. It puts the interest of others ahead of your own interest. It's full of compassion, full of mercy, kindness. What is your heart condition before God today? Are you full of yourself? full of your own righteousness, full of religion. Full of your knowledge. Sure that you know the truth. You know, one of the most dedicated wonderful, 
men who support this broadcast and frankly has supported it more than any other single person is a Muslim. Oh, he doesn't understand yet the content that I share. He's just poured his heart out in love to me as a brother. He has a a wife and, and three beautiful children. And I see him several times a week. I know Jesus is calling him, and I'm bearing witness to him. But out of his great love for me, he supports this broadcast. He has a a beautiful restaurant. It's called the Bistro Le Hermitage. It's a a country French restaurant. It's in Woodbridge, Virginia, right on the edge of Old Town Occoquan and Woodbridge. This blessed man is being called by the Spirit of God. But you know what so impresses me about this man? his humility, his love, his compassion. A man from a a neighboring store, a carpet store, came to him, totally unknown. And he said to him, I understand that you're a man of kindness, mercy, I'm going to lose my store if I don't have, and he named the amount, several thousand dollars. Would you loan me that money to tide me through? And this man said, yes, yes, I'll do that. He wrote a check for the amount. And the man said, do we need to sign a contract? No. Just a handshake. The agreed upon time came when he was to pay back the loan. He did not pay it back. In fact, he disappeared. He's just gone. And I said to this friend, How do you feel about that? He said, well, pastor, I have only one thing I can do, and that is to forgive him. He's a Muslim. And he forgave this man. There's no bitterness in his heart. And I want to tell you, he's done this many, many times with many different people. And many of those people have taken unfair advantage of him. But out of the kindness of his heart, at the call of God upon his life, he helps the poor. He helps those in need. I'm humbled. Many who call themselves Christians treat this broadcast like it was anathema. They're angry about it. They write scathing things to me. Or they leave nasty phone messages to me. Astonishing. It's okay. I forgive them. I don't have anything to be. I don't have anything to defend except Jesus and his blood. I'm astonished, though, at the total lack of humility in the Christian church in America. I'm stunned by it. 
I am treated much better by pagans than I am by so-called Christians. Why? Because they have their tight little box they live in, and they think they've got God corralled in their tight little box. And if anybody disagrees with them, or anybody confronts them with their wickedness, they're very angry. Okay, I get that. And it's not my intent to make you or anyone else angry. I treasure each one of you, and I particularly thank those of you who give so constantly and so steadily. I'm amazed by you. by your. I'm humbled by you because you demonstrate your love for Christ and for the work of the gospel. I couldn't be on the air without you. And I know Jesus has called you to give, and I so appreciate that. But please hear what I'm trying to say to you today. There is grave danger that we will trust in our head knowledge and speak disparagingly of those we call the lost because we have the truth. I grew up in a denomination who who said they had the truth but they were utterly ungodly. You see, it's it's in how we live that it matters. It's, it's what we do that counts. I'm saved by faith in Jesus Christ. I'm saved by his precious blood, but his precious blood is there to transform me and make me righteous, to regenerate my life, to make me whole. I appreciate that. I appreciate you. I appreciate your friendship and your love. I appreciate the kind words that you say when you write letters to me. But my heart is so deeply moved today by the danger that we are in of trusting in our religion and in our knowledge and not trusting in the precious blood of Jesus Christ, not trusting in his his crucified and resurrected life. I want to tell you today, Jesus is everything. Yes, there is intellectual content that must be understood about the gospel of Jesus Christ and about the gospel of the kingdom. But don't put your eyes on the kingdom of God and not upon Jesus. Don't put your eyes on some intellectual understanding of last day events and not upon Jesus. Yes, we want to watch carefully our doctrine. Yes, we want to very carefully examine our hearts. But more than all of that, We want Jesus because he is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. He is everything. And he's coming soon. We are are in the last days of earth's history as we know it in this wicked world. Jesus is coming again. He's coming to take to himself a people who've made a covenant by sacrifice with him, who have laid their lives down for him, who have turned away from their pride and all of their knowledge and sought after the man, Jesus. So I come today to tell you, I love Jesus. 
I love Jesus. He is my world. He's my comfort. He's my love. I am nothing without him. I have nothing without Jesus. So I'm not going to trust in my knowledge. Yes, I have a graduate degree in theology. I'm not going to trust in that. Yes, I've spent years studying and reading. I'm not going to trust in that. I'm going to trust in the man of Calvary. I'm going to trust in the man, Jesus, the Christ, the Son of the living God. It is by his blood that I am washed and made clean. It is by his blood that I am restored and brought into fellowship with him. I praise his name. We're out of time for today. I'm going to continue tomorrow with Bunyan. I'm Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. You can write to me. I'd love to hear from you. I thank those who write and send offerings, tithes, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Again, it's the National Prayer Chapel. Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Now, you're also welcome to go online. Go to nationalprayerchapel.com, nationalprayerchapel.com. There you'll find podcasts, videos that you can send to friends, and you can give online. We also now are opening a second webpage, revivalnow.church, one word, revivalnow.church. There's not much content there yet, but we will soon be adding a great deal of content. I want to be taking time to interview some of you and put your interviews up as a testimony for what God has done in your life by listening to Him in His Spirit in this broadcast. My brother, my sister, I love you. Thank you for walking with me. Thank you for listening. I appreciate you with all my heart. I'll talk to you soon.